What is going on, everyone? This is Connor, the co-host with The Most, welcoming you back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And we just got done with the Super Bowl just yesterday, and thankfully for me as a Steelers fan, the Rams pulled it off and the Bengals are still Super Bowl-less. Um, but there were certainly a lot of things happening with the game, uh, lots of winners and lots of losers in the game, other apart from the obvious. Um, so we're going to get into talk about that, and we're also going to get into talk about the future for the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals and where we think that they are headed for next year and if they can get back here or not. So it should be an exciting episode. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, guys? It's Zach here, the co-host who... I guess I got nothing there, but um, the co-host whose team lost the Super Bowl. Uh, they're not my team, but the team I was rooting for. Uh, yeah, the, the Super Bowl didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, obviously, but I did think it was a really good game, actually. I, I enjoyed it. It seems like every year, like, the Super Bowl seems to get better and better. Like, you know, it's this the, you know, aura of the Super Bowl, like, gets bigger and bigger, so... Had a great time watching it, um, and I'm definitely going to be missing football for several months. <laughs> and what's up, guys? It's Nate here. I'm with Zach in that uh, the team I was rooting for lost the game that uh, last night, but um, I agree. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a great um, show regardless, and um, for not having football for the next nine months or so, yeah, nine months, um, it was a good way to uh, – um, go out there so looking forward to talking about it here yeah certainly never fun to end the season on a boring super bowl um and it I guess it seems like i was the only one that was happy with the result last night <laughs> um <laughs> so but we are going to go around the shield and like i said we're going to get into some winners and losers so since this is the super bowl i guess we'll start with the winners um you know the los angeles rams are the obvious winners but we have some other, you know, less obvious winners here. So I'll let Nate probably start with the uh, the biggest one on the winners list, and that is uh, Stafford and Cup. So, Nate, talk to us about those two guys. Yeah, so obviously um, Cooper Cup was uh, Super Bowl MVP. He had like 90 yards, two touchdowns. Um, obviously the biggest winner of the night. Um, he had, you know, great performance out of him, basically standard for – um, the year it's probably one of the best uh, wide receiver single seasons I would say um, definitely at least since um, Calvin Johnson's year um, you know 10 years ago um, but yeah monster season from him great way to cap it off and for Stafford too uh, I think it's huge with you know everything he went through in Detroit um, playing through injuries you know losing all those games, you know, barely making the playoffs, not winning a playoff game, and then uh, being able to come here in his first season, go to the Super Bowl and um, win the game. I think it's huge for um, you know him to finally get that um, achievement off his back. And whatever happens, the rest of his career is kind of like you know almost uh, gravy at this point. Um, he's finally got that achievement. So glad for both of those guys to um, get a ring, even though I wasn't rooting for their team. Um, I think it's, you know, huge for both of their respective careers and like, excited to see where they go um, from here. Yeah, for sure. Cooper Cup definitely has some uh, some good, you know, a lot of good years ahead of him. The first receiver since Jerry Rice to win the Triple Crown and Super Bowl MVP in the same season. Um, man, it seems like if he can keep this up at least for another few years, he could be Canton bound already. Um, at least people will be talking about that. Um, but Moving from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball, obviously another guy who had been waiting a long time to get that Super Bowl ring is Aaron Donald. So, Zach, tell us why Aaron Donald was a winner. Yeah, Aaron Donald's a big winner here today. I think his legacy, almost just as much as Stafford. I mean, Stafford maybe a little more being a quarterback, but he really needed that ring to cement himself as an all-time, all-time great. And just with when you get in the conversation of best defensive player of all time, like Aaron Donald's for sure been in that conversation, but winning the Super Bowl in the performance he had in it, you know, all the sacks and the key stops that he had on the fourth downs and third downs and stuff, 
that really, to me, vaults him up the list in a lot of people's eyes. Obviously, there's going to be recency bias, but um, I think this is a huge, huge jump for him in a lot of people's mental rankings of best defensive player of all time, you know, with the Lawrence Taylors, Reggie White's, Bruce Smith's of the world. I think he he's in that conversation now, and people are going to have opinions on him being better than those guys. Uh, and then from a secondary standpoint here, I think he won because he is the most important, I think, player on this team. And he is only the fourth or fifth highest paid defensive player in the league. So this is with his you know, threat of retirement, this is a great chance for him to go and renegotiate a contract with the Rams and be like, hey, I'm willing to retire. I've, you know, I'm going out on the top here if I, now that I've won the Super Bowl. You know, pay me, you know, thirty million a year, like quarterback money or something ridiculous like that. I don't know how to work with the Rams, but he has that leverage for sure. So that also makes him a winner. Yeah, at the very least, he can demand that TJ Watt money uh, that he's getting in Pittsburgh, since TJ Watt's the highest paid defensive player. So um, for sure, big win for Aaron Donald. Uh, another guy that I was happy for that he finally won one. Um, but in addition to just the players, to me, I think a big winner here is just the city of Los Angeles in general, just because Los Angeles is very notorious for being a not a great place for football fans. I mean, you know, the Rams were there for a long time, eventually in the you know early 90s, moved to St. Louis um, and then moved back in 2016, which I know a lot of people in St. Louis were upset with that. Um, You know, the St. Louis fans are definitely still missing their football team. There was also the Raiders that moved to L.A. in the 80s, um, and they did win a Super Bowl when they were in L.A. So L.A. did. This is not L.A.'s first Super Bowl title, um, but eventually the Raiders did end up moving back to Oakland and now obviously in Vegas. But I don't know. I think it's just good for them to get an NFL championship because they're so used to, you know, the Lakers are one of the most dominant franchises in NBA history. You know, they're tied for first all time in most um, you know, NBA championships. And then even just recently in hockey with like the LA Kings, you know, they've won a few Stanley cups in recent years. Um, so it seemed like football really in the city of LA, which is kind of an afterthought, but now, um, you know, at least pro football, because, you know, they're, you know, obviously LA loves their USC Trojans, um, even though they haven't been doing anything. And since Matt Leinart and the Reggie Bush days, but just a Super Bowl title, hopefully, you know, I'm, hoping for good things for in the future for at least the Rams. I don't know about the chargers. Cause you know, there's still a lot of salty San Diego fans that are sad. The chargers are gone, but at least hopefully for the Rams, it'll start to get those attendance numbers up, you know, get people more interested in watching this team and coming to the games because, you know, it's kind of sad to see, a you know, billions and billions of dollars facility gorgeous stadium like sofi stadium and half the seats are empty or half the seats are filled with opposing teams fans so um i think it's a good thing for the city of la in general um but moving away more from the football side of things and moving on to the halftime show dr dre mary j blige snoop dogg kendrick lamar eminem and a special guest appearance from 50 cent uh, Nate, tell us about why the halftime show was a winner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think this is probably one of the best um, shows that the NFL has put on in a while. It might not be everybody's, um, you know, favorite type of music, and that's totally okay. But I just think like, the production value and all that I think was great. Um, I think the fact that they got all those um, artists in one place and they all kind of got their, you know, they played all their hit, you know, songs and I think you know. I think it was perfect. You know, having especially those two guys for um, it being in LA. Kendrick Lamar is from there as well. Um, and then having the like you said, the surprise um, uh, appearance from Fifty Cent. I think it was all like you know really well done. Uh, watching it at home, it was super you know cool with the the camera work and the sets and all that. So I think it's like like I said, it's like may not be your favorite type of music, but I think when you compare it to some of the uh, performances from past years where it's just one uh, artist and it's like they're trying to go through all their hits, but it's like, you know, it, it, it kind of gets old, especially when, you know, it goes on for 25 uh, minutes or whatever. It, this one felt like it didn't even it felt like it blew by and, you know, with all the people switching around and all that. So 
I think it was a great job uh, by the NFL. I was kind of worried about how it would turn out, but um, I was I was very uh, pleasantly surprised there. Yeah, and they also uh, didn't give everyone motion sickness like the weekend did last year with his <laughs> ridiculous uh, holding the selfie stick or whatever while he was going through the uh, whatever that was he was going yeah. through. Um, but yeah, so the halftime show, I agree. I thought it was. Uh, it's not typically my kind of music, but I thought it was very good. Also, Evan McPherson looks really funny. Like he was on the sidelines, like jamming out to it. Um, but yeah, the halftime show was good. Now, kind of back to the more football side of things with the head coach Sean McVay and Zach. Tell us why Sean McVay was a winner here. Yeah, and McVay is a huge winner. At the end of this, he finally gets that championship. Uh, you know, he will have the the current record as the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl. I think he's only 35 years old. Um, Darn it, so McVay, those days taking it away. He, he was, he, he, <laughs> same same year age as Tomlin, but he's got him beat by like months and days or something like that. Oh, so, okay. Darn you, McVay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, you know, has that distinction. But also, too, I think it was more... I, I think his legacy or his how people thought of him would have been worse if he lost this game than if he had lost in the NFC championship to the 49ers, because if he lost in the championship game, it would have been like, OK, like, you know, that's not good, but it's not the Super Bowl. Losing the Super Bowl seems to have like a bigger impact on people. He already lost one you know, to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. If he had lost another to the Bengals and like a team, I know they got hot and everything, but still they were, you know, a four seed or whatever. So it it just wouldn't have looked as good for him had he lost. But instead, I think, especially with, you know, the Odell Beckham, incorporating Odell Beckham in the offense. And then that last drive, you know, him and Stafford, he finally got away from the run game. And I, I just think he evolved as a coach throughout the game, and it was the reason why they won. So lots of good things for McVay, and we'll see what his future lies when we go and talk about what's next for the Rams. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, no shame in being outcoached by Bill Belichick, but if you get outcoached by Zach Taylor on the big stage, as well yeah. as you know getting outcoached previously, then definitely going to be some questions. Um, but yeah, good for him, and... The last winner I have here is I lost his name in the like 13 minutes that we've been doing this. Um, the Rams Les GM. Need. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Less need. Less need, I think, is a big winner here just because it kind of brings it all together. Like, you know, everyone was has been so worried about this Rams team. You know, they went all in. They gave up all these draft picks, you know, blah, 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 blah. And. You know, while, yes, their future is still very, very questionable, um, you know, at least he can say, like, it paid off. Like, you know, I me going out and trading those first round picks for Jalen Ramsey, those those first round picks for Matthew Stafford, you know, trading away some picks to get to, like, you know, Robert Woods, you know, all this stuff. At least he can say that paid off and we got a Super Bowl out of it. So I think he's a winner here because if they had gone through the end of this and gotten to 2024 when they finally had their, the next first round pick and they had, had no championships, then I don't think any team would want to touch him with a 10 foot long stick. So um, definitely a big win for Les Snead that the Rams finally got it done. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they could add to it in the future and he can look even smarter. But at least for now, he can enjoy the moment and, you know, say that I was right in all the decisions that I made as the GM. But now we're going to be moving on from the winners of Super Bowl 56 to the losers of Super Bowl 56. And one of the biggest losers in this game was the NFL referees, in my opinion, just because what's I new. Mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. What's new? I'm I'm like the referee guy on this podcast, too. But, um, you know, it's just. I don't know, man. It's watching the game. It all I mean, of course, it all started with, you know, the 75 yard touchdown to T Higgins where, you know, Ramsey got his face mask pulled and the refs didn't fall, throw the flag. And especially given the moment that that happened, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, 
the it was just kind of like the the Bengals were still going to be losing by whatever or the Bengals were blowing them out like it was a huge momentum shifter in the game you know the Rams had gone in at halftime up 13 to 10 and for on the very first play of the second half the Bengals to get a 75 yard touchdown and take the lead 17 to 13 like you could see throughout most of the third quarter for the rest of the time, like the Rams were just not the same team, like on the, on their next possession, you know, Stafford ended up throwing an interception, which wasn't his fault, but you know, still the team was rattled and um, mistakes were made. So that was a major one. And then just the change in philosophy that happened at the end of the game where the refs had been letting, I mean, that call with the no call on the face mask was evidence enough that, they were letting them play pretty much all game. Like the only penalties that had happened uh, before towards the end of the game was like a delay of game and a false start. And, you know, penalties like that, that are like, no question that happened sort of thing, you know, not the um, subjective calls like holding and pass interference and stuff like that. But, you know, it all started when a very ticky tack holding call on third and goal, which gave the Rams, you know, a fresh set of downs. And then um, obviously, the helmet to helmet hit on Cooper cup in the end zone, but that also ended up getting offset by a holding call, which I mean, maybe this is just on NBC, not showing a replay, but I didn't see any holding on that play by the Rams. So I was a bit confused as to why um, their touchdown got taken off the board. Cause I thought it was just going to be the helmet to helmet, but then the ref was like, Oh no holding on the offense as well. And I was like, what? Um, and then you know, the pass interference on Cooper Cup in the end zone, which I will say was the right call. You could see, you know, in the replay that um, his jersey was being held. But, you know, combine that with some of the missed calls, like both teams, like Ramsey got away with a holding. The Bengals got away with a holding on Daryl Henderson, like just the massive shift in philosophy uh, towards the end of the game. It really starts to, like, just open up the debate again in my mind that, they really need to have that sky judge that they had in the Alliance of American football, like someone who can step in at least for the instance of, you know, they kind of can't fix the whole changing your philosophy thing, but at least kind of step in to fix the no call on the touchdown and be like, Hey, that should have been a penalty. Like you need to, we need to switch that and make that call rather than just allowing it to happen. Like, Oh, well we missed it. Oh, well, like, you know, especially in the biggest game of the year, like if it happens in some, random regular season game like you know obviously it matters to the fans and it matters in the sense of the game but no one's going to see that but when it happens on this in the super bowl literally the whole country is watching and you missed a call like that so um i don't know it just to me it needs to they need to reopen the debate about um the referees and what they're going to do in the future but Enough of my mini rant on the refs. The next big loser in the Super Bowl, in my mind, was the run game of the Los Angeles Rams. So, Zach, tell us about how atrocious their run game was in that game. Yeah, Connor informed me before the podcast that their average, the Rams' average, you know, yards per rush was two yards per rush, and I was like, two. I thought it was negative two because. <laughs> It seemed like every play was going backwards for them, especially with Cam Akers. I mean, he was atrocious. The let's say the Rams, if it hadn't been for the Odell Beckham injury, I think the Rams that kind of forced them to try and run the ball some more. But it it really wasn't working, and you know they just don't have a dynamic back. And this is a honestly, I, I'm going to kind of pivot this and make this losers about running backs in general because it's not like Mixon on the other side had he was he had a good game but not like a phenomenal like amazing game you know so it's like there you remember when the Rams had Todd had Todd Gurley in his prime and he was leading the league in rushing like that team never won a Super Bowl but this team with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford did so it's you know Derek Henry Jonathan Taylor missed his team missed the playoffs you know, all these great running backs, and I kind of talked about it the other week. Um, they, you know, it, the running back position is just not important. You know, Christian McCaffrey, when he was leading the league in all the yards, the Panthers were nowhere near the playoffs. And it, it's it's just uh, I, running backs are obviously going to be important to every team. But having a, a top, you know, number, you know, top five running back or whatever, it's not – 
it's nowhere near as important as other positions are to winning in the big game. And last couple of years have shown that. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree. I mean, like you said, you hit it on the nail. I mean, even if I can use more running backs like Dalvin Cook with the Vikings and Alvin Kamara with the Saints, like, again, those teams missed the playoffs. So, um, you know, who who knows what's going to happen with that. But pivoting off your OBJ talk, um, you know, obviously Odell had his problems in Cleveland, went to the Rams this year via trade. Um, and, you know, the Browns missed the playoffs and Odell's winning the Super Bowl. So, uh, Nate, talk to us about why Baker Mayfield and the Browns are losers here. Yeah, so that um, definitely one of the biggest losers with the way Odell played last night. Um, the fact that it's really on both of them, but I would say that it's really more so um, that the Browns organization um, is losers. The fact that they couldn't get him involved at all in um, three seasons in Cleveland is just a testament to um, that organization and the way it's um, been run. And granted, he had um, injuries really played there. He um, messed up his knee that one season um, and all that. But still, he was healthy this year. And for them to, to just not even be able to get a guy like that um, involved in the offense, especially when you have other playmakers like Jarvis Landry, and um, guys like that, um, that really is pretty telling. And if I was, you know, a free agent, I would not want to, uh, I would not be rushing to go and sign with a team like that. And it is um, definitely um, an L for Baker as well. The fact that, um, you know, Odell kind of, I mean, he was traded away, but he, it seemed like he definitely wanted to get out of there. He wanted a better quarterback throwing the ball. And I don't blame him. Um, Baker, you know, couldn't find him. He was overthrowing him, underthrowing him, uh, just straight up not even looking his direction um, in Cleveland. So, um, I mean, this is the fact that um, everyone hated on Odell for his stats while he was there. And granted, he's in a much, much better situation now, but the fact that he immediately stepped in and has been putting in, um, putting up like Pro Bowl caliber numbers again is, uh, says a lot about Cleveland and that whole situation. Yeah, for sure. Um... You know, I never I'm not a fan of Odell, but I do like to see the Browns uh, upset. So that's kind of bittersweet for me <laughs> in a way. But um, so so far, this loser talk has all not really been about the team that actually lost the Super Bowl, which was the Cincinnati <laughs> yeah. Bengals. So let's get uh, to some loser talk about the Bengals. So for me, obviously, the biggest loser on the Bengals in this game has to be the offensive line. I mean, I talked about it in my reasons why I thought the Rams were going to win. And it's kind of the same thing that we saw last year with the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Granted, this wasn't a blowout like that game was, but still, I mean, Joe Burrow was under constant pressure throughout the game from everyone, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Ashawn Robinson, like they were all getting there. The Rams racked up seven sacks in that game. And that's not even counting all the hurries that they had in that game. They had a tipped pass or two in there for good measure. You know, they honestly should have had an eighth sack on that final play of the game. Burrow was able to get it away um, before he hit the ground. But just a absolutely horrible performance for them. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, the whole game. I mean, Zach said this is my mantra, like, you know, the whole, well, we didn't block anyone, but we made it for it by not tackling. You know, it all comes <laughs> back to the offensive line. You can have the greatest superstars in the NFL today. Like you could have a team of Aaron Rodgers. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Derrick Henry, you know, all these guys, uh, Travis Kelsey. But if you don't have an offensive line, you're not doing anything. So um, definitely the big loser for the Bengals there. And I know Jamar Chase is obviously a fantastic player and you would never go back on drafting him. But it does, you know, put that small thought in your head when you go back to their draft and be like, hmm, you know, maybe they should have taken Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater over Jamar Chase. Just just a little tiny bit. Not not very big, but just a little tiny bit. Um, so obviously it's enough to think for the future, but uh, more on the Bengals, you know, obviously the offensive line was bad, but some of the coaching decisions by Zach Taylor, you know, we talked about McVay, or at least I talked about McVay getting outcoached by Belichick in his last Super Bowl. He definitely outcoached Zach Taylor in this game um, towards the end there, especially. So tell us why uh, Zach Taylor was a bit of a loser here, uh, Nate. Nate, you there? 
Oh, there he goes. Trying to get my uh, <laughs> yeah. get my thing unmuted there. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely just all around. Um, it was kind of an underwhelming performance from them. You kind of touched on uh, the running game a little bit, but I think the way they used Joe Mixon and that whole committee was um, not. Um, I don't think that was the best they could have done, um, especially having him out, um, taking Joe Mixon out for that third and one um, on the last drive there. That was really a head scratcher to me. And then he wasn't even in, I don't believe, on the the fourth down um, play either. And I, I haven't watched enough Bengals games this year to know what their usual, you know, procedure is with the rotations and all that. But I just feel like having uh, one of your biggest offensive weapons out there and, you know, must – uh, get situations is kind of uh, a big head scratcher there, um, especially when you know Samaj P. Ryan is he's been a solid you know NFL running back, but he's more like a journeyman guy. He's not really it's not really like he's a valid um, like replacement or like a you know an obvious passing situation back or anything like that. So that was a head scratcher, and then um, obviously um, I'm surprised you get like Apple's not on this slide, so I'll kind of <laughs> mention yeah. here, but um, yeah, just having him. Matched up the way he was. I mean, one on one versus Cooper Cup. Um, having Cooper Cup matched up one on one in itself is inexcusable, especially once Odell went down. There's no reason to have um, him in one on one coverage, especially against a guy like Eli Apple, who has been torched many times um, in his career. So that was um, big L for Eli Apple. He got roasted, you know, by all of social media <laughs> all day. But I think big. Um, uh, mistake by the Bengals staff as well to put those players in that kind of situation. So I, I think that the Bengals um, were hurt by a bunch of things, but I think their their coaching staff definitely was um, part of the reason things didn't go their way last night. Yeah, those were definitely two big head scratchers, you know, and, I, you know, kind of back to the Joe Mixon thing. It's like, uh, you know, the Bengals coaches were trying to take some tips from the Jaguars coaches when they were taking James Robinson out of the game and, you know, having uh, their backup running backs in the game. But, you know, coaches, you should say Jaguars, former coaches. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but so anyway, and speaking of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I wanted to leave this one for last because I know, uh, you know, getting to talk about Zach's favorite player here, but uh Another one of the big losers in the Super Bowl, Jalen Ramsey. Zach, take it away. Yeah, this pains me very much to know that he's got a Super Bowl and it's you know not with the Jaguars. Obviously, if it was with the don't, Jaguars, don't worry. That's that's how I felt about Antonio Brown last year. So <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. That's that's a good comparison. Um, but Antonio Brown had a good Super Bowl. Um, he did. He did at the very least. Yeah, he wasn't the reason they didn't win in spite of him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Ramsey. I mean, you know, the, when he gets to the to the face mask play, yeah, that's that's not his fault. And like you know, Connor talked about the refs; they missed the penalty there. But still, it happened to him, so it's a bad look when you're on the ground and the guy gets a 75 touch yard touchdown. Like the stats, the stat book will show him at fault there for that. Even if, you know, it really wasn't, it should have been a penalty. Um, but consistently throughout the game, you know, Jamar chase had his way with Ramsey. He just had the speed on him. I think that's the thing. Ramsey's a physical corner, but chase had the speed advantage on Ramsey. And then, you know, he was having – he didn't get penalized for it, but lots of people noticed some holdings on him that the refs, you know, were – the refs were really letting them play on both sides like Connor talked about early in the game. He was getting away with some holds, but really not having an impact. I mean, he didn't, he didn't shut anybody down, so to say. Um, he wasn't a, you know, locked down corner on the field. And then at the end of the game, the, the last drive really – I think showed his true character or whatnot. Like when that first down played it, that burrow through the chase, you could see he went for the interception. I mean, he, he wanted to have the pick six, you know, interception and the glory, you know, the touchdown, all that, you know, the hero, play so game ceiling game ceiling play he, he but the safer thing would have been to do is just 
give up the catch and make the tackle inbounds, you know, waste the clock. You know, you're not going to, the Bengals wouldn't have gotten that many yards with that. But instead, because he went for that interception, which he clearly wasn't able to get, he was way late on that. Um, it allowed Chase to break free. And luckily there was a safety back there for the Rams. So he had to go out of bounds. But, you know, if there was no safety back there, that would have been a touchdown for Chase. And that would have been all on Ramsey. And we would have been, we would have been talking about, you know, him as even a bigger loser. He got a ring out of all this. But, um, you know, he could have been the reason that cost the Rams the Super Bowl. Uh, and then at the very last play, you know, it's it's if the Rams hadn't um, or if the Bengals offensive line, they're a loser on this slide, too. If the Bengals O line had blocked for another second or so on that play, uh, he had I think it was Chase uh, that was wide open down the field. It would have been an easy touchdown throw because Ramsey ended up on the ground there. Like he, he was on the ground. Chase was wide open, you know, streaking to the end zone would have been a surefire touchdown. And that would have been on Ramsey too. And a lot of people pointed it out. It's not like it didn't, it's not like only a few people saw it. Like, you know, people were so like, Oh, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl's won by the Rams, the Rams won the Super Bowl. But then when you look on Twitter and you see, you know, see the video on sports center, all that stuff, like, wow, what could have been for the Bengals? Um, Ramsey did not have his best game for sure. Yeah, well, and even back to that pick six, like you mentioned he was late on that. He didn't even take the right angle at the ball on that. Like Burrow was smart when he threw that. He threw it to the outside. Ramsey thought he was going to throw it inside and was just like miles away from it. I was like, what are you doing? Like you weren't even close to that. So, yeah, definitely a major L for Jalen Ramsey, I, I regret uh, talking him up before the Super Bowl. Um, thankfully, he didn't make me look like too much of a fool since the Rams still won the game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was uh, I could I could have been the one taking a big L there, too, if he had been the reason why they lost. So um, that's it for the winners and losers. But moving on to uh, starting this time, we will start with the loser, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, obviously, they're, they were the losers from the Super Bowl and what they're going to do next year. So starting off probably with one of the biggest question marks, I guess, is, you know, probably a big comparison that a lot of people are making was this Joe Burrow looking like Dan Marino. You know, Marino, in his second year of his career, he got the Dolphins to the Super Bowl only to be outplayed by Joe Montana and the 49ers. And, you know, same thing. They kind of got out coached with Bill Walsh on the other side. It's kind of a very similar situation that Marino and Burrow both kind of share. And so now it's kind of kind of be like, okay, the comparisons are going to start coming out. Is Burrow going to be that really good quarterback who, you know, this elite quarterback who's great and, you know, is future Hall of Famer, but is never going to get a ring. You know, he's just kind of he's going to kind of be like the uh, Philip Rivers, like the next Philip Rivers, I guess, is another good comparison for that. You know, the guy who's like a a surefire pro bowler, he'll end up in like the top 10 in passing yards and touchdowns by the end of his career, but no Super Bowl rings. So, Zach, um, tell us about the Marino Burrow comparisons and whether you think it's going to happen or not. Yeah, I think I think it's fair comparisons just because of the similarities you talked about. But um, I've been very high on Burrow since he entered the league. I and this is the thing, too. We We can't get I think what happens after the Super Bowl, obviously, we always overreact to things. Last overreaction year, we, Monday. Yeah, it's overreaction Monday. I mean, la, la, after last year's Super Bowl, we were like, not not us necessarily, but some people were like, oh my God, the Bucks are going to go 17-0 and and repeat. And, you know, and, and it's like, it's the same thing when the Chiefs won their Super Bowl. Oh my God, they're definitely going to win. Now people are going to be like, Oh my God, the Rams are unstoppable, and then there's and then with the losers, sometimes it's the other way around. Like, uh, like Patrick, never... Patrick Mahomes is washed up, and you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like blah blah blah. Kyle Shanahan is never gonna win, never gonna get yeah, there yeah. again. Like, <laughs> it's I think uh, that's the thing. And in my opinion, when when Burrow first came in the league, if I would have set the over under for Super Bowls at him at one and a half. And I don't think this impacts it either way. I, I think had they won, had they lost, like obviously if they won, he you know have at least one ring. But I, I think he is going to still end up getting a Super Bowl ring. I don't know when it'll be, how long it'll take. 
you know, I remember Russell Wilson, he had the other way around. He won his first time around, then he lost the second time. Um, but I, you, you never know. It's still very young in his – sorry for uh, that, but uh, he's very young in his career. They have a good team around him. It's, it's not – it's going to be tough to get back. Obviously it always will be, but um, I still think the odds are pretty, pretty good that he'll get one, at least one Super Bowl in his career. Um, so Cincinnati fans, you know, still going to be upset with this, but they definitely have many more chances. Yeah, definitely uh, the opposite of the Rams where, you know, probably the other reason why I wanted the Rams to win the game was like, you know, I feel like the Bengals have so much more time to get back here. Whereas the Rams, at least with Stafford, for sure, like he's nearing the end of his career. So there might not be another chance. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, who knows? He, I mean, he could end up like Marino, but like you said, who knows when it's going to come, where it's going to come, if it's even in Cincinnati, like who knows if he goes to another team and wins it, like who knows? Yeah. Um, but so moving on from Joe Burrow um, now, obviously every C, every team has free agents in the offseason. The Bengals. They have a few kind of pieces here and there that are going to be free agents, but for the most part, they don't really have any major big-time free agents. Um, in my opinion, the one that on this list of highlighted players, if you're watching on YouTube, that they really need to bring back is C.J. Uzama. Like, Burrow started to really develop some good chemistry with him there in the playoffs. He kind of became like that safety blanket tight end that – you know, you've seen a lot of the great quarterbacks have, like Philip Rivers always had Antonio Gates, Brady always had Gronk, Peyton Manning always had Dallas Clark, and then later it was Julius Thomas, like Ben Roethlisberger always had Heath Miller, you know, these guys that are not going to be going out and putting up huge stats, but like they're your consistent, reliable, third down, red zone, you know, goal line targets that are going to get the catches when you need them, so um, I definitely think bringing Uzama back is a must for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think bringing Jesse Bates back is also a must for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, he was one of the few bright spots in my mind in that secondary. Um, you know, he's still a young player, too. He's only 25. Um, so, you know, you need to start building that secondary back up from the ground up, um, you know, and having a really good you know, safety back there in my mind is always kind of the first step. You know, you need like a captain of the secondary and, and you know, you're never going to have a cornerback. That's like the captain of the secondary. It's always one of the safeties. So um, having a safety like that back there, I think is crucial for them. And then honestly, when I look at the rest of these guys, I mean, you know, Riley reef is, you know, unless they can get him back on some sort of, you know, really cheap deal. Like I think he's gone. He's nearing the end of his career. Um, Ogan Joby, like, I think they do have a lot of cap space, so they could definitely bring him back, but I think he'd be a little lower on my list just because the Bengals do have a really solid defensive line. Um, you know, they have a lot of depth at that position, so it's not completely necessary. And then, you know, same with like Quentin Spain, um, at the very bottom here, he's near the end of his career and that O-line needs a revamp anyway. And then for sure, Mr. Eli Apple down there, uh, you know, I, I think he needs to go. Um, he was, I think, I think the one year experiment with uh, Eli Apple or one or two year, however long he's been there, experiment with Eli Apple needs to be done. You know, try and build that corner group around guys like Mike Hilton and uh, Chidobia Wuzier and let Eli Apple go. So um, that's the free agents. But then the Bengals do have $58 million in cap space projected for the off. So, you know, this team, like I said, it's not going to change that much. There's going to be a lot of the same players back. So with that in mind, what pieces in your mind, Nate, do the Bengals really need to go after to get back to the AFC Championship and get back to the Super Bowl to really give them that push? Yeah, so the main thing um, for the Bengals, if you're watching on YouTube on the slides, there's a couple names listed there. But I think definitely O-line has to be um, first priority with all that money. Um, go out and get, um, you know, good tackles and good guards, um, whatever you have to do. Get get a really top-tier um, player. I know Cam Robinson is listed there. I'm not the biggest fan of him. Um, having watched all the Jags games, but maybe in a different uh, situation, he could um, be good for the Bengals. But get a guy like that and then just keep adding depth um, at that O-line. Just what they have right now is not 
at all, I don't think, acceptable, especially when you have a guy like Joe Burrow who could be a franchise quarterback for you for, you know, a decade or more. Um, you want to keep a guy like that upright and um, let him get the ball to um, chase and all those guys you've got out there um, on the perimeter. So that's got to be the main concern, I think, even at the expense of other um, positions, because I think they really the roster really wasn't that outstanding, I think, for to make it to the Super Bowl. I think a big part of it was um, Burrow and Chase and that offense's ability to come through in big um, spots. So I think really investing there is the, the biggest um, thing I would say. And then also you touched on it a little bit, uh, Eli Apple, um, not a starting cornerback. Quarter, uh, you've got to go address that this offseason, whether it's – I don't know how good the um, uh, uh, draft class is for corners this year, but either draft or free agency getting some better names in there. Honestly, probably both uh, will be a good strategy. Um, but they definitely got to address that as well. But I would, I would say um, O-line before uh, they spend anywhere else would be my um, uh, hope there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's not good when you look at a team's draft needs and literally center, offensive guard, offensive tackle, every single offensive line position <laughs> is underneath their draft needs. So, um, yeah, not a good look there. But I guess before we move on to uh, – the Rams really quickly. I guess I'll just, you know, kind of throw this out there. I'm going to put you guys on the spot here and I'm going to put myself on the spot too. Um, so quick prediction, where do the Bengals end up next year? I'm going to say a uh, divisional round playoff loss. Zach, what do you think? Ooh. I'll say wild card playoff loss. Nate. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I would I would tend to say uh, divisional round loss. All right. So, no, none of the three of us have them getting back to the conference championship at this moment. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll look like yeah. geniuses, or you know, I'm sure depending on what they do in the off season, this might change. But you know, I always like these like you know, right after the Super Bowl predictions, like where they're going to go, because you never know. Sometimes you look really smart, and sometimes you look really dumb. Just kind of like, well, you know, this isn't really a real prediction half the time. So anyway, moving on to the Los Angeles Rams, um, you know, they obviously compared to the Bengals have a lot more going on with their offseason. Um, you know, the first big thing for them is there's been a lot of retirement talk around a lot of people in their organization, not just players, but coaching as well. So I'm going to keep this pretty brief. Uh, we have four players here. Well, three players and, a, and their head coach, Sean McVay who have all been touted for possible retirement. Um, there is a fifth player that I haven't included. That's Andrew Whitworth, but he's pretty much a foregone conclusion in my mind to retire, given that he's in his 40s. And I mean, literally the dude won a Super Bowl and the Walter Payton year award this year. Like, you're done. Like, if you come back and play again, there's something wrong with you. Like, you're done. Retire. Um, so, but... So I'm just going to be a quick, like, yes or no, do you think they'll retire? So we're going to start with Sean McVay. You know, there's been some talk about Sean McVay possibly retiring or stepping away, like pulling a Sean Payton and just kind of stepping away for a few years. Um, but what do you guys think with McVay? I'm going to say no. I think for sure he's going to come back and coach. I think that's just kind of people overreacting to Sean Payton. Uh, Zach, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say no as well. I think it like there Kevin O'Connell, if he really was gonna retire, would like be set up to be the new guy. I'm gonna say no. Nate. Yeah, I'm gonna say no as well. I think he already dispelled um some of those rumors. I'd I'd be surprised if he stepped away at thirty seven. All right, so McVeigh Aaron Donald, obviously, you know, we Zach just talked about him with the contract thing, um, whether he's going to retire. I'm also going to say no on Aaron Donald retiring. Uh, Zach, what about you? I'm going to say no as well. Even if he, his contract doesn't change, $55 million still on the table for him. That's, you know, how do you say no to that? It's still in the prime of his career. So I'm going to say no for Donald. Yeah, I'm... This is the one I have a hard time with because I I could see him retiring. Um, it's kind of been a trend of, for these guys to retire earlier, but um, I do think with all that money on the table, I do think he plays another year at least. 
All right, so nose on Aaron Donald. Next is the longtime Bronco great Von Miller. Had a great Super Bowl. Showed that he's still up to the caliber. This, I am actually going to say yes. I think Von Miller steps away from the game. I think he's accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. And I think the one of the things that's going to drive him to retire, in my mind, is going to be the contract issue. I think teams are not going to want to pay him as much, despite what he asked for. So I'm going to actually say that Von Miller is going to retire. Zach, what about you? I'm going to say no to this one. I feel like he can, whether it's with the Rams or another team, I think he'll find himself in a situation like these older defensive players get in the situations where they're not relied on every single down. He's not going to be the guy he was in Denver. I think he'll be a rotational guy somewhere, you know, very big influence, still very good, but I still think he's got stuff left in the tank. Yeah, that's, that's why I have a tough time with as well. I think um, I I I could see him retiring, but I could also see him sticking around for you know those pass rushers can you know have been sticking around with teams for three four years past their primes. I won't, I won't be surprised if he did, but I think it'd be smart for him to retire. All right, so we have a a, a yes, a no, and a tentative yes um, on Pon Miller, <laughs> and then finally Matthew Stafford. Um, I'm going to say no, just because I haven't heard anything about him even like really him really hinting at it is more so just media speculation. Um, you know, Tom Brady's evidence that quarterbacks can play for a lot longer now, especially since Stafford's not quite as old as some of the other guys who have been retiring. So I'm going to say Stafford sticks around. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Haven't, there's nothing he said or indicated that he's, thinking about it i why would you retire you know at his age like he's still got some more years left with this great team try and go for it again yeah i agree i i don't see him retiring 34 is pretty young for quarterbacks nowadays and he's experiencing success for the first time in his career i'd be surprised if he stepped away all right so looks like out of these four guys only vaughn miller is looking like potential retirement from our panel but we'll move on to um i guess we'll get into the free agent talk first um and obviously we just talked about and von miller is a big name on that list um for me with von miller it has to be the right asking price um because obviously given his age you know he's not gonna be this every down edge rusher like um like the guys were saying and if he starts asking for too much money, I'm going to go say no. I mean, the Rams, they still have Aaron Donald, obviously. They still have Leonard Floyd as a really un- edge rusher. They have Ashawn Robinson on the inside. <clears throat> they don't necessarily need Von Miller, in my mind, to keep being a good team. And like I said, if he asks for too much, then I'm going to say no. So he's a big kind of I don't know sort of thing for him. Um then I do and also it's kind of going to be the same thing for me with Odell Beckham Jr. in my mind, because, you know, with Odell coming to the team, a lot of people forgot about Robert Woods. Robert Woods is still a very good wide receiver in his own right and, you know, just lost him to injury this season. So I think Odell and Von Miller for both of them, it has to be the right price because you have other people that can step into that position. And Robert Woods is just as good as Odell Beckham on this team. So um, if it's not the right asking price, then I say let him go. I do think they should bring back Austin Corbett for sure. He's the one guy on this list that I 100% think they need to bring back. You know, he's been a solid offensive lineman. He's still young. You know, if you can get a good – lock up a good guard like that, then you can really, you know, start to get that run game going and start to get that working. So Austin Corbett is a must-bring back for me. And then Darius Williams is another guy that I could just kind of be like the right asking price for me. Uh, Sony Michelle, I think is he can go um, if you don't get the right asking price. Cause really they just kind of need a revamp at that position in my mind. And Sony Michelle is not going to be the answer. So um, really to me out of their free agents, like I said, Corbett's the must bring back. And then OBJ and Vaughn Miller really have to be the right price if they're going to come back. So that's the Rams free agent situation in my mind, but I'll move on to Zach now. Obviously, the big story with the Rams, you know, the G, their Les Snead looks like a big winner after the Super Bowl, but obviously sometime in the future he's going to look like a big loser because, you know, they don't have the draft capital anymore to really go out and get things. So, 
you know, the Rams do like throwing away first round picks. So Zach, uh, what do you think the Rams do with the draft this year potentially? And is there another player out there that you think that they could maybe, you know, trade another first round pick for and bring in to just keep adding on to the, the woeful future? (laughs) Yeah, I think, I, I don't think it happens right away. I think if it were to happen to be around trade deadline or something like that, but um, and obviously, too, we still they're this year and then the next year's drafts, their first round picks go go to Detroit. So their next first round picks to trade aren't until like three years from now. Um, so that, you know, drives down the value of the pick. Uh, but, you know, whatever second rounders they have next year and third rounds, they don't have like any draft picks this year. But some like fantasy sort of speculation stuff that like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but knowing the Rams, like it's possible. Um, two guys, both on offense. One, this would be probably more immediate. I think he's going to have a more of immediate conclusion, but it would be Calvin Ridley with the Falcons uh, with OBJ's, you know, ACL injury. He'll probably miss most of the next season. So to replace that, I think Calvin Ridley would be a great addition, um, you know, to trade with the Falcons. And then another guy who I don't think his name's really been brought up a lot, but uh, the Panthers are, I think, going to be going through a bit of a rebuild here. And they might be looking to move on from CMC potentially, you know, at the trade deadline or next season. And like that's another star power for the Rams. That's like who would fit right in with LA, you know, CMC or Calvin Ridley. Both these guys, great players. Um, not saying it will happen, but if it does, I would look for those two guys as potential candidates. Man, if they were able to somehow bring in both of those guys, like GG, rest of the league. Like, <laughs> man, that, that would be especially Christian McCaffrey. Like, man, that would this offense would take on a whole new meaning of scary with him on the field, especially with cup and Robert Woods and Stafford, if he's playing at the level that he can. Yeah. I don't think they get both of them, obviously. I mean, how many, yeah, that that, that would, that would be a pipe dream, but you know, um, but potentially one of the, or potentially like CMC next year when their draft picks get more closer to the future. Um, And so too, they might want to try CMC out one more year in Carolina see how things go with that but eventually it could get to the point where it's like you know he's still a good running back but you know he might want to be on a winning team and you know all in those things happen you know so for, for sure yeah especially with running backs too like you said they they tend to move around a lot these days so um interesting things yeah i was zach and i zach did not discuss with me these players before the podcast so i'm uh I was very interested to hear the players that he came up with. So I I like it. I like it. Um, But Nate, uh, I guess the last topic we have here for the LA Rams, you know, the Rams compared to a lot of teams in the NFC right now, teams that are contenders are looking like one of the more stable uh, situations going on right now. So the NFC, you know, the AFC right now is a total dogfight still next year. I mean, you know, you still have the, the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals and the Titans and the Ravens are going to be getting healthy again. And the Raiders look like they're going to be locking up Derek Carr for the long time future. So they're going to come back. You know, if the Steelers can get a quarterback, they could be competitive. The Dolphins, if they could get the quarterback situations, like there's a lot of teams in the, it's a complete and total mess in the AFC in my mind, but the NFC seems to be a lot more clear. Um, and the Rams definitely, you know, aside from the Packers, they look like they're going to be coming out of this as, you know, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say that the Packers are the best, but like, you know, between them and the Packers, they're looking like the top teams in the NFC next year. So do you, what do you think the Rams are going to, how good are their chances? Do you think to get back to this spot and potentially win the NFC and get back to the Super Bowl with all the turmoil going on with the other teams? Yeah, that, that's what I was going to touch on that turmoil there. I think the biggest um, really concern for the Rams is just their own division out there in the West. Um, the Cardinals and the 49ers were both um, nasty this past season. The 49ers made the playoffs and um, made you know went to the championship game. 
um, against the Rams. So that, that'll be their biggest test is those two games uh, next season against them. Um, and the Cardinals have, you know, I would, would say the Cardinals would be a threat as well, but they're having all kinds of uh, dysfunction the past couple of days with um, Kyler Murray. Who knows what his future is going to be like there. Um, and then same thing with the uh, Packers. Obviously, they want to bring uh, Aaron Rodgers back and keep the gang together up there. But, um, you know, he last season he expressed interest in leaving. I'm sure uh, this year it's going to be a discussion as well. Um, but, yeah, now, now that Tom Brady is out of, out of the league, I think the Bucks are, you know, not really a contender anymore. Really known from the NFC South, I would say, is a threat. Uh, the NFC East is kind of, you know, what that division what that division's been for the past ten years. I wouldn't expect them to um, be much resistance as well. So I I do think there's um, unless something shocking happens, like one of those retirements we just talked about, uh, if Aaron Donald steps away or anything like that, it could be it would definitely be tougher. But um, I think if the roster, the way it's composed now, comes back. Um, next year, even with no meaningful um, additions, I think they definitely um, are my uh, way too early favorite uh, to at least make it back to back to the big game. I don't know if they'll win it because, like we said, the um, AFC is um, full of strong rosters, but um, I, I definitely think they have a good chance as anybody to get back to uh, the Super Bowl. All right, so... That's going to, well, as before, again, I'll do the same thing with the Rams that I did with the Cincinnati Bengals before we close this out. Um, early, way too early prediction for the LA Rams. I'm going to say that they lose in the NFC Championship game. Uh, Zach, what about you? I will say divisional round loss. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say losing the Super Bowl. I, I feel way too early, but I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so three totally different uh, takes there. Zach going the more he thinks that this was a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say fluky season, but, you know, like. No, not a fluke. Well, like, yeah, I'm trying to, I don't know the right word to say, like a little bit of just like, you know, these other teams. It's going to, like, Tampa lost in the divisional. I think it's going to be a repeat of that. Right, and, like, you know, they'll they'll get, you know, these other teams will be up and comers yeah. all the way to. Nate says they're going to pull a uh, uh, Kansas City and be back, but lose the next year. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, definitely going to be an interesting offseason. But thank you guys so much for watching. Wait, you know, hey, wait, wait. Hold. Oh, uh, I, I just want to say one thing before uh, before we head out here. Uh, this is going to be the last time you guys hear Nate in a episode as a you know, full-time regular host capacity. Um, you know, Nate's going to be stepping away from the podcast. He still, you know, will join us probably from time to time to contribute on episodes and stuff. He's, you know, if you have another podcast out there, he's not a complete free agent, but, uh, <laughs> but Nate's full-time <laughs> regular duties are going to be coming to an end. But uh, Nate, it's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast and hopefully you continue listening even uh, when you're not on. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're franchise tagging Nate. What's going on here? Yeah, You're tagged. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Zach. Um, Definitely been fun having you, you know, I'm, it's unfortunate I've never actually gotten to meet you in person, but uh, you know, right. it's it's, uh, it's been fun doing this. You know, definitely brings a lot of good insight to the podcast. But yeah, so that's going to be it for this episode, and unfortunately, that's going to be it for the NFL season. Uh, you know, we're still going to have football talk, you know, during free agency and the draft, but we get to go through those nice long uh, eight months or so without football now. So, you know, at least for my sake, you know, I still have hockey and, you know, I occasionally watch the NBA and obviously Zach and Eric have the NBA um, going on here, but there, it just seems like there's a little bit of a hole in your soul when football ends and you have to wait a long time for it to come back. So it's been a really good season, especially the playoffs. I mean, I have to say this was the best NFL playoffs I have watched in a really long time. I mean, Ever since the start of the divisional round, these games were close. These games were good. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for the NFL to top this next year. Unfortunately, it's making me feel like that next year is going to have a lot of blowouts or something like it's going to be boring. So I hope that's not the case. But 
Uh, again, thank you guys so much for watching as we bring this NFL season to a close. Make sure to watch, uh, make sure to watch, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sport. Subscribe on YouTube, Clutch Crew Sports. Make sure to leave comments down below on the video. Leave questions on Twitter if you want us to talk about a topic. You know, we're definitely going to be more open to uh, suggestions during the offseason as we're going to have, uh, you know, some more NBA talk, but we'd be happy to talk about any NFL news you want us to talk about. And, uh, and we'll see you next time, guys. Be clutch. See ya. And for Eric, for Eric peace. Peace. <laughs>